Welcome to the Bedpost Podcast. I, of course, am your host, Aaron Pym, and what I like to do here on the pod is bring fun and sexy guests into the studio to talk about sex and sexuality with me. Today, I'm super excited to welcome back, back, back again to the pod. Okay, um, the best rope top I know. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Thank you. Kelsey Van Helsen. I'm deeply honored. Wow. I mean, you let me say whatever I want in the intro. So that's what we get. (gasps) Oh my goodness. I'm always so just taken aback by your social media posts. And anytime I see you perform, uh, it's just, there's nothing like it, Kelsey. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. Of course. it's, uh, It's been a whole journey since moving to Toronto in February. Yes, that was definitely something I wanted to bring up because that's like a huge, huge life change. And I love it because now we're both in the same city. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's my favorite part, too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, It was it was was, uh, a huge change for the better. Definitely. Like um, I was uh, having a little bit of a time, but I needed to kind of like get out of my my hometown straight up and uh, Mm -hmm. come to the place where all the cool things were happening. So I think it was a good call. Yeah. And I feel like you immediately inserted yourself into all the cool things. Like suddenly you were like, I'm moving to Toronto. And I was like, oh my God, hooray. And then I think immediately you were doing a rope performance at an event I was going to like a few (laughs) days later, you were right there. Well, actually it was, it was phenomenal because um, event companies and such started reaching out to me before I'd even moved to the city. Perfect. Um, Yeah. So it was, it was pretty fantastic. And a lot of the, the event companies that I do work with are, um, at least woman-owned and queer. So the, the right humans found me, which is awesome. Yeah, I think you were pretty busy for Pride also, weren't you? Um, I, I was supposed to be slightly busier, um, but the uh, the performances that I ended up doing were fantastic. So it's great. I think you were outside um, our sponsor, Come As You Are, as storefront, were you not? I absolutely was, uh, <laughs> because they also happened to sell my uh, Battle Axe Bondage jute rope yeah. at Come As You Are. <laughs> what? Um, tell me a bit about that performance. What were you doing? Because Pride, like, you know, it's a long, they're long days outside. And like, how, how does that look? Oh, it was, it was a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah. It was, it was definitely a little bit overwhelming, but it was uh, like, I'd do it again in a heartbeat. Um, so I approached Come As You Are and just kind of went, I have a portable suspension frame. Um, I know Pride is coming up. Do you think it might be kind of fun if we did some rope demos? Mm. Um, and they were kind enough to agree. Um, especially considering like the, the style in which I tie. Uh, and I, I just kind of set it up from there and it ended up being like a great little reciprocal kind of situation because my products in the store already. Mm-hmm. And that way, um, a lot of the customers were kind of able to see what the possibilities of rope really are and what, uh, and what rope bondage really does look like. Um, it doesn't have to be what we see kind of constantly on social media and I wanted to show that like the more um 
not necessarily like frivolous, but like fun and aesthetic parts mm-hmm. of rope. Yeah. So if you're talking about like your style that you mentioned, how do you, how do you describe it? Um, I would say like, <laughs> I would call it a Renaissance fairy tale, really. <laughs> That's what it is. Um, because while I was doing my performances, uh, I had, I had people sort of like draped in really beautiful fabrics, um, and I incorporated a lot of flowers, uh, into the ties and that kind of thing. And the poses that I use are meant to look like angels from Renaissance paintings. Mm. Um, so I really want to take those kinds of, um, aesthetics and apply them to rope. Oh, that's so interesting that you bring that up because yeah, there's like, there can be so many poses you can put people in right with rope and like some of them can be really kind of distorting the body and and stuff like that and you can get into you know styles that are more like objectifying and kind of maybe humiliating and stuff Mm -hmm. like that so that's kind of interesting that is something I've noticed about your poses that they're beautiful not that the other stuff can't be beautiful too because it absolutely can but like Mm -hmm. yours are like really serene and yeah it's like they're they're kind of lying or it's like they're delicate and it's, it's light and beautiful in that way like pretty I'll say maybe thank you yeah thank you and and one of the reasons that actually comes across in my tying style as well is because I like I'm I'm neurodivergent mm-hmm. and very obviously my play partners tend to be neurodivergent as well uh so I've I've managed over time to kind of refine a style that quiets some of the more unpleasant parts of the neurodivergent brain and that's where that kind of like deep face of serenity comes from um because that's my ultimate goal while i'm tying is to get people into that sort of like very serene headspace um that doesn't necessarily come from like a very jarring or painful tie um it comes from really leaning into the sort of feelings that the the nervous system wants already kind of extrapolate from there like that like swaddling feeling like yeah um lots of continuous and consistent pressure Mm. um and and usually i use poses that sort of make people feel like they're hugging themselves um and that really brings a lot of comfort and um yeah just serenity Mm. to the tie overall i find so how do you manage then say during a pride performance when there's like lots of noise and lots of people and it's hot outside and it's a long day how do you manage to still make it feel serene um it actually worked out really well because we ended up doing like half a performance in the sun mm-hmm. um because of the way come as you are is situated uh the the sun went behind the building oh perfect so we got about halfway through and then we were in shade for the rest of the performances, which was fantastic. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I still managed to get like a doozy of a sunburn, but you know, Oof. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good memory of yeah. what happened. <laughs> is like the fact that you're like kind of aiming for serenity, is that like a cool challenge for you to do it in, in a space that's like kind of chaotic, like say pride? <laughs> yes. It, it becomes a really neat challenge for me, for sure. Um, also because I have to maintain sort of my own mental serenity and composure. Absolutely. Um, uh, there were a couple times I had like some little ADHD moments actually <laughs> at the performances because there were, I think, 
four sources of music that I could hear at the same time, and they were all different, as well as, like, overlapping street noises and different conversations. Uh, That's nightmarish, honestly. I'm a person that gets major audio overstim, specifically when I have, like, two competing things that I, that's, you know what I mean? Like, two different types of music or two different conversations that are both, like, loud. I just, oh, I can't handle it was uh, it was my own personal hell, absolutely. Oh. Um, and it, it, I was I was like holding rope in my hands, looking at my rope partner, being like, "Okay, so we're supposed to start this," and I am literally in like my auditory overstim hell right now. Ooh, um, so what do you do? <laughs> I, I I honestly I it was a good challenge for me because I'm really bad at uh, speaking my needs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just told my rope partners I was like I'm like a little bit overstimmed. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to try my hardest. We're going to make it through it still. Mm-hmm. I I was very confident that I could still uh, get through the scene and I did. Mm-hmm. Um but it was just that initial starting where I was like I have feelings about this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of feelings. <laughs> yeah. And I imagine once you get started into the scene, that thing with your focus happens where the focus shifts, right? And it almost is then just like background noise. But I can understand of like, you know, before you started, there's no focus and you're just hearing everything and being like, ah, <laughs> how, how do I, how am I gonna yep. settle <laughs> in eventually once you started? Oh, yes. Um, I, I've trained my hyper focus this way over the years, mm-hmm. um, so that I can kind of trust my muscle memory to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um, and when when I do sort of like get started into the tie and get like into that hyper focus state, I can cruise, which is wonderful. Um, but it was that initial, I'd say like five to ten minutes, where there yeah. were just so many noises. <laughs> Oof. So how long were you there, specifically that performance, Outside Come As You Are? How long, how many performances, how long a day was it? Um, when is it? We got there, I'd say we were there from about 1 to 5.30. Okay. Um, yeah, it was it was a long day. Uh, <laughs> but I had a support team, which is which is wonderful. Hooray, polyamory. Um, oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so the, the, the support team came with, which was great. Um, and... My rope partner's polycules also showed up, uh, oh. so there was a, just a lot of support all around, which was wonderful. Um, but I tied three. I'd say they were a good, like forty-five minute to an hour long suspensions in fairly fast succession, uh, wow. because I had scheduled in fifteen-minute breaks for myself in between and uh, didn't. Yeah. Yeah, I was, like, full of adrenaline, so I was like, let's go! Um, (laughs) Yeah, that happens too, right? It's like, suddenly, these chemicals are flowing, and you're like... Like, I'm ready, let's do it. Uh, it, So, so yeah, I kind of blazed through it probably a little faster than I should have, and, like, I think I can safely say that those were near-perfect suspensions. Mm. Um, I I was very happy with the safety, the communication that happened between my partners and I. Um, like the the mechanics all around, I was very happy with how it turned out. Um, something that's super funny. Um, that it, well, this part's not funny, but there's uh something that happens on like adult sites where you can't use the word skill or skilled because it has the word kill and killed in it, right? So it's right. like just this over policing of the language. But anyways, when I look at your name, Kilsey, 
I, I think skills, skills, you know, skills. Ooh, thank you. Skill C Van Helsk. Nope. Skills. <laughs> Skills, Van Helsing, Yeah, it works. Because you got because you have skills. You have very many skills. So I don't doubt that those were pretty fucking perfect. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was lovely, and I managed to get like some really beautiful poses in each uh, in each suspension. Um, I think I fed my bottoms watermelon in two out of three of them. Yeah, so that was those were some really cute little moments. Hydration um, also. Important yeah. and sugar, a little sugar, yep. Yeah, it was cold, so they were like... Oh, nice. They got a little temperature kick there. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you, though, about these um, events and things where you're asked to top for hours, right? Mm-hmm. Multiple people. Mm-hmm. I um, I do that now and again where I do, in, in a similar way, they're not performances, but it's like, say, a play party. So people are watching and everything the whole time, but like... Um, you're essentially doing back-to-back scenes for like a three-hour block or a four-hour block, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I know it can be really, it can be hard in a lot of ways and it can be so fun. And like you, like you um, described that feeling of adrenaline also, like you can be just like so on and so focused and like uh, really killing it, you know, um, as well but like yeah the it it takes a lot of takes a lot of emotional energy physical energy it's like Mm -hmm. so much right like to sustain for a long period of time yeah i would i would say it's like a like a strongman ringmaster combo wow you know what i mean yeah um because i i know when when i sort of get like in uh in like in front of an audience especially in this particular way most most audiences are not prepared for a rope performance they've never seen one before um so they don't understand what's going on and whether or not they're expected to participate to a certain extent um which is why i kind of early on develop like the ringmaster character and start talking to them back and forth and going like okay hello we are people we are here in front of you doing a thing this is a person who is being tied. This is the person's name. We like tips. Please bring us the tips. And then I start like weaving in um, consent about money. Uh, and as soon as I tell the audience that like they can, that's how they can participate in the scene. There's a line. Yeah, they they get really into it really fast. <laughs> that's so smart of you. Yeah, thank you. I think. Yeah, that's brilliant because they come in not knowing, not knowing what to do, and you tell them exactly what to do. How, mm-hmm. how, how, you know, how, what a great way to make them feel completely at ease during to watch this performance. You're like, this is the rules. This is, you know, what we're going to do. All you have to do is do it. Enjoy and tip. And you can yep. tip in this way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's important because sometimes you're at a thing with like at pride for instance where there are people who are not kinky there are people who are you know don't go to burlesque shows even or Mm -hmm. like you know stuff like that where they don't see kind of sexually charged performances and they don't know how to act um so it's uh you know rather than having them interact in a way that is not appropriate like trying to interrupt your scene or talk to you while you're doing the scene or you know in ways that aren't going to do good it's really important to set those ground rules Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, 
the the demo I kind of ran in a bit of a different way outside come as you are as well because I did I, I was I chose my models for a reason for this day and that was largely because I knew that I could invite the audience to ask like respectful questions mm-hmm. um, and that we could kind of answer them mid scene um, because I I feel comfortable doing that. I know some of my models do as well. And I think it's a really good educational opportunity uh, to be able to have those questions answered pretty much immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, Just to get a little bit more education and understanding out there. Yeah. No, it's funny. That's how I, like when I do, um, it's usually at Oasis that I end up doing this stuff, but I'll, I'll do a demo, right? And it's like, it's an hour long. So like, there's a bit of a and a before, and then, you know, we do a scene and then kind of a and a after. Um, but I, I'm topping the scenes and I, I really value having the bottom um, be a, your co-presenter, right? So they're hearing as much from my co-presenter as from me it's not me getting up there and being like this is how you blank someone you know this is how you do this thing to a person it's like this is how we do this activity together this is what's important you know questions to ask and things to know information to swap when I do this type of stuff with people and giving it that really personal thing of like this this the fine skill of this activity like that's not everything you need to yeah. know when you do this thing with somebody, right? So I really like to also do that thing of like having my co-presenter talk a lot about their experience because that's half of this whole experience is what they're doing, what they're feeling, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and that that's one of the main reasons I, I sort of like encourage questions and encourage people to talk to, to my scene partners while we're tying because it's half of the experience like it's a a rope scene in my mind is a collaborative effort just like any other kink scene and if if it's just one person doing an activity to another Mm -hmm. there's there's a disparity in the power dynamic there to at least to me and i i think that's a little bit problematic but when it's framed as a collaborative effort and everyone is pitching in to like have a good time to be safe and to like enjoy whatever activity that we're doing together that gives us a a much better foundation for everyone to walk away going yeah I felt safe I had a great time I would do that again yeah 10 out of 10 would recommend (laughs) yeah yeah I've also seen this thing like so um you're talking about like you know, this, this performance looked a little different, perhaps from others and the versatility. So like, you're talking about like serenity and stuff like that. But also, I've seen you do rote performances that are so fun and energized and playful. And you're really interacting with the audience, you're really like laughing and getting big reactions from your play partner and connecting like in a really high, highly energetic way as well. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I feel kind of like a kinky camp counselor in the way that like my number one goal is for everybody to have fun. So that's, that's also why I employ like a lot of, I don't know, in burlesque, I would call them like shticks. Uh, yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that's, that's what the shticks are for, you know, like everybody loves to watch um, a rose explode 
on somebody's butt. Um, (laughs) Everybody loves to watch uh, like golden feathers be woven into like a really intricate harness. Um, All these little like... I don't know. Like if show I were, moments. Yeah, like. the little show moments I find are the things that that really um, add a certain something, and that's what I don't necessarily see other rope tops doing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and and you know, like if it's if it's going to be a performance, if you're going to make it a show, make it a show, make it a whole show. <laughs> yeah, put a little razzle dazzle in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, like uh, tricks, little tricks, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I try to do that too. Like I've taught, you know, dance performances and like I've taught like lap dance classes and something. Shticks is definitely my thing because I'm a very playful person and my same, like, I'm like, I need to make these people laugh. That's like my main goal. But like, yeah, with like dance performances, you know, you can do this beautiful sensual dance or whatever, but like, you gotta have a couple tricks in there that makes the audience go, woo, you know, and like start clapping. Right. Yep. Those moments are great. And that's, um, that's honestly why I I have a tendency to pick the scene partners that I do because realistically the right scene partner is going to make my work and my performance look a million times better. Oh, um, yeah. So if someone's in the ropes who's experienced, enthusiastic and expressive. Yes. Like I'm, I, it, I'm golden. Like we're ready to, ready to rock. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. I was funny. You mentioned that I was like, doing a little talk at the last munch and it was about mm-hmm. about uh bratting and you know i love. think there's this love first of all love yep. love it love and um i think the instinct is people are like uh like tops are like uh brats they're so much work and they make it hard and i'm like excuse me no they make mm-hmm. it easier because they're giving you so much creative material and energy back that all you have to do is react you don't have to plan anything yeah. because they show up and they give you so much and all you have to do is play off of it. To me, it's like so easy when I have a bottom that is like bantering back and like, you know, they've, they're playing their own little fun game and I just have to play with them, you know? Mm-hmm. Like if I were to put it in improv terms, like I would like a bottom who yes ands me. That, yeah. You know what I mean? Like nothing is an improv scene killer, like getting somebody <laughs> like in your thing and then they just go, no. Or they go, yes, and they don't do the end. Yeah. They don't offer you anything back. They agree with you and they do the thing that you're doing, but then they don't offer their own creative <gasps> idea back. I'd say that's worse than no, because no no is even fun because then you can play with the no. No is kind of bratty, right? Yeah. We're like No uh, even no gives why? you more. Yeah, yeah, um. yeah. <laughs> but like they just doing what you say and not giving anything back. I'm like, okay, well, how long can we do this for? How much time do I got left? You know what I'm I mean? Like, well, I'm bored and I'm watching the clock already. Um. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, yeah. If I have to monologue, that's like worst case scenario. I'll do it. I'll do it for money. I'll do it. But not my favorite scenario. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like there, there are other things we could be doing that are way more fun. But <laughs> here we are, <laughs> and yet here, here we, we are. You said yes. <laughs> you said yes. Period. <laughs> and here we go. Y- yeah, yes. Statement, not yes. And uh, <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, but this is actually one of the reasons too why I really enjoy um, one of my models uh, who I tied with at Come As You Are uh, is a clown. Like a whole clown. Oh, 
<laughs> it's a whole ass clown. She's a whole ass clown. A uh, fantastic human. Um, but that's one of the things. Like I, I really enjoy that banter that we bring to the thing because th- they are very much a brat, and we get to do that in front of an audience. <laughs> and stuff like that is like that gets the audience really engaged, right? Energy, right? Because when you're yeah. doing a performance, it's like. You know, it's got to be a bit exciting, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, moments like that can really kind of suddenly get them excited to be watching. If they're laughing or they're, you know, whatever. Or they're surprised by something. Usually yeah. I find that, um, like, ascent, when, when the model first, like, takes flight and goes up into the air, and descent, when they come down, mm-hmm. uh, those tend to be moments of, like, particular audience fascination. Yes. Um and really big like reaction moments for sure. When you said ascent, I know your rope is scented. So <laughs> I thought you meant an olfactory experience, mm. which which also yes. Yes. <laughs> like it's both and I didn't even mean to make a pun. Thank you. <laughs> you know what? Something did strike me since you do use flowers um, in your play and, and stuff like that in your performances specifically. I know um, I've um, I've been front row audience, you know, of stuff like that. And the um, the fragrance really carries like if you're exploding roses on stage with a whip, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's something that like, wonderful. The first time I saw it, um, I couldn't believe it was like such a cool experience because the fragrance, what it filled the room. It was amazing. It's so good. It's so good. And I feel like that's, that's really something that you can't like take a photo of and put on social media. Exactly. Um, I've been trying to figure out ways to engage people like in the room yeah. with my performances because one of the, the things that, that I find like a massive downer is when I'm in the middle of doing a beautiful performance and I'm really engaged with my model and we're having a great time and I look out and I see nothing but a sea of cell phone cameras. No. Yeah. And I'm like, but why? Yeah. Why are we here then? <laughs> Yeah, you could just watch that on Instagram on somebody's reel. There's so much, um, there's so much more you can get out of the live performances. Like even just the energy you feel that in the room energy, right? Yeah, it it kind of makes me want to ask people to put their phones down and just kind of like be in the moment. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if. I mean, people are still going to do it, but I wonder if that reminder, I feel like that that's appropriate. You know, mm. that that's a valid ask to be like, okay, the next part, nobody film because I want to be connecting with all you guys, right? And I need you right now for some reason, you know, like maybe it's an audience participation thing or like whatever, but yeah. like, and let's collectively energize this part, this next part. You know what I mean? I feel that's like a, that's a cool might might be a cool moment you're creating. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm gonna I'm that. gonna see how things go in the next couple performances and we'll discover. Yeah, maybe test it out. Who knows? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not that you need any more ideas, you're full of them. <laughs> oh, it never stops, honestly. Um sometimes <laughs> I wish I had fewer. Bedpost Podcast is sponsored by Come As You Are. 
Founded as a worker-owned cooperative, Come As You Are has a fundamentally anti-capitalist and feminist approach to sexual pleasure, health, and education. Come As You Are doesn't profit from your pleasure and only stocks products that they truly love and believe in. Come As You Are has been voted best sex shop in Toronto since 1997. Check them out at comeasyouare.com or 254 Augusta Avenue in Toronto's own Kensington Market. We are also sponsored by Club M4 Toronto. Club M4 is the largest sexually charged lifestyle club in the GTA. And now you can go to their website, www.clubm4.com, but one of my favorite things to do is to go to their Instagram events page and see what they've got going on. Scrolling through here, Cougars Bump and Grind Night with DJ J. Rodica, Threesome Fridays, Sexy Plus Size Play Party, Buy Pleasure Party, a night with the theme Little Black Dress. Game night. Ooh, a night with the prompt shiniest outfit. And Fetish Fantasy, hosted by Empress. If anything looks interesting and you want to check it out, head on down to Club M4 at 1989 Dundas Street, Mississauga. Where do you get inspired? Because your stuff is so different and um, it's so skilled and it's so uniquely you. Like, where do you draw creativity from? Oh, thank you. Wow. So many compliments. Goodness. Um, (laughs) It's a, a combination of how I feel about my personal queer experience and how I would like other people to feel about theirs and my academic background in medieval and Renaissance studies. Wow. That's a lot to draw from. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's a a lot. (laughs) Okay. So when, I don't even know if I knew you had like an academic background in medieval studies. So like what kinds of things then, like, I know it's probably endless, but like, is there a few things you can name that you draw specifically from stuff you've learned? Um, oh, this is going to sound so nerdy. Um, but <laughs> please, a lot of please, the, yes. the lighting and the posing and the fabric drapery are inspired a lot by um, Italian Renaissance painters um, like Caravaggio and uh, Boccaccio, not Boccaccio, Botticelli. Wow. Wrong Italian, my bad. Um, <laughs> uh, there's that. Um Oh, it's going to sound so corny, but I'm actually inspired quite a lot by, like, the beauty of my rope partners. Mm. Um, That is the reason I tie. Like, I seek to elevate the beauty in the everyday queer experience because uh, I feel like that's a space that needs to really be carved out. Not only in rope bondage specifically, but in, like, art, period. and yeah, I feel like everyone should should be able to have the experience in their life of being like a fairy or an angel or I mean, if they want like a demon or just some sort of supernatural creature that really showcases the beauty of who they are. Wow. I love to hear that you're inspired by your rope bottoms. Like, I think um, 
I think that's so special because like that really says something about the way you connect with your play partners that I think most people, you know, when they think of traditional kind of DS dynamics, I don't know if they're one of their first thoughts might be like the beauty. Um, so I think that's really amazing. Thank you. Yeah, I, I've been on a bit of a journey over the last, I'd say, year and a half as to my identity as a rope top. And it took me a while to realize that I'm not like other rope tops. Um, and I do have a tendency to get more emotionally connected with my partners than others would. Yeah. Um, but I think that's also why I'm able to do what I do. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't be able to have... A, a career nearly as successful without my rope partners. Yeah. Because I think like what people might think if one person in the DS dynamic is like doting over the other, I think people would assume that it's the submissive or the bottom that is like, you know, worshiping the goddess, like they're mm -hmm. top, you know what I mean? Like just admiring and doting and, you know, hanging on their every word and they want to serve them and do everything for them. I think that's the traditional way people might think of that adoration. Mm -hmm. So I love to hear that. I love to hear a top who is totally enamored with the beauty of their bottom. I love that. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm a, I'm a switch uh, to, to the, to the end. Yes. Um, so I don't think I would, like call myself very particularly like a I don't know like a rigor or a top in the traditional like capital D dom sense yes, yes. Um, but I I mean like we do love a worshipful Gomez if you will <laughs> absolutely um, we yes. love that um, and and that's one of my favorite dynamics to be in as well but um, I would say I have a strong sense of protection towards oh. my my rope, rope partners more so than like I I don't necessarily like I don't punish I don't do punishments yeah. um, and I don't know I, I feel as though being inspired and and collaborating directly with my scene partners is much healthier and creates a much uh, more balanced kind of dynamic yeah I love that like what I do um for my pro sessions right at the beginning, if they're interested in wearing a collar for the scene, I'll present the collar and, um, you know, through kind of like this, a grounding exercise off the top, I present the collar and I'm like, we can endow this with whatever we want to endow this with, right? Like whatever meaning. Um, and I give them a chance to say what they would like to endow it as. And like, sometimes, you know, a lot of times I'm meeting the person for the first time, we've just talked for 10, 15 minutes. That's all I know. But like, I also say what I would like to put into this, um, you know, based on whatever information they've given me. And sometimes I do endow it with protection. I'm like, I'm providing a safe space for you to explore, you know, judgment free. I promise to be your guide and I promise to protect you and keep you safe. Um, if that's the vibe, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. One of my favorite questions for, for rope partners is how do you want to feel? Exactly. Yeah. And that sort of like, that's one of my guidance questions for what, uh, what the session will become. But yeah, it's, um, it's very neat, uh, to be exploring in a more concrete way, um, my powered power dynamics and the DS dynamics specifically because that wasn't necessarily something that I did when I first started tying actually. 
Hmm. So what did that look like? What did it used to look like? Um, Well, I first started as a bottom. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that was, that was a whole part of the journey. Um, And because of uh, the dynamic with my first rope top, um, we had a non-sexual, non-romantic rope partnership. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, because we were also roommates. <laughs> oh, cool. It was very complicated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, might be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, after, shortly after that, I started self-tying, self-suspending, and then I started learning how to top properly. Um, and that changed that dynamic as well. But I, I sort of learned, for, for lack of a better way to put it, I learned my power over o- other people. Mm-hmm. how much power I have in those respects. Um, and I outgrew that dynamic very, very quickly. Yeah, I think power also comes from like the skill of rope. I think people really put rope tops on pedestals. Would you agree? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah. And like, um, yes, in, yes, period. Not, not yes, and. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes, yes, period. <laughs> and I, I don't think it's the healthiest. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Especially considering uh, which which riggers in particular tend to be put on pedestals. Oof, yes, because that's potential for yeah to be dangerous, right? Because then they can manipulate that power. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the thing that most rope tops um, really skip out on, and they shouldn't, is the like they skip out on the experience of being tied. Ah. Uh. So they're just out here tying people nonstop without actually having rope been put on their body. Yeah. So this is interesting because, you know, it's controversial whether people think that that's an important part of like being a dominant, that you did go through the paces of at least experiencing this stuff once, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't want to say controversial. It's like polarizing. Like some people are like, no, absolutely not. And some people are like, absolutely should be a part of your journey. And there's all sorts of opinions on it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at least for rope particularly, I think it's, it's such a high risk activity that it shows a certain disregard for the person you're tying if you haven't actually been through that yourself. Yes. Um, and I mean, I say that after, well, this is going to be my sixth year tying period, but I still self-suspend. Um, I still lab out ties on myself and I still actively seek out being tied by other rope tops as well, because I I ha- also have a lot of knowledge as a rope bottom. Um, mm-hmm. So I like to educate and share that. And I think that's uh, something that quite a few folks just kind of miss out on. And continue learning as a top also. That's yes. so important to being like a dominant or a pro specifically that you you never stop learning. Like you should always kind of keep that uh, humble, you know, nature in that like, yeah, I know a lot, but I can always know more and I'm going to stay on that journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think accepting feedback. Yes. In like a gracious and um, constructive way is so important. Um, especially directly from bottoms and especially in rope because uh, they're assuming more of the risk here Absolutely. in this particular equation. Um, And I also very recently had my first experience with causing um, minor nerve damage. Uh, Yeah. 
it definitely oh dear yeah it happens like yeah I always think of rope that's why I've never really leaned into it because I'm a little afraid because rope in my opinion is like one of the most dangerous tools I agree I agree with you um and it's it's one of the most dangerous things to be uneducated about yes exactly um especially when it comes to anatomy Uh, And this particular instance of nerve damage was a huge eye-opener for me because I, I, pardon me, um, my rope bottom and I did, like, in looking back over the scenario, we did everything right. Mm -hmm. And it still happened. Right. So it doesn't matter, like, we checked in as much as possible. Um, We checked in after I'd finished the harness. Uh, We checked in before I put them up in suspension um we checked in while they were in suspension like there there were we checked in constantly um i did some adjustments as needed uh and it still ended up happening uh to the point where medical intervention was needed the day after oh dear yeah. it it is what it is i'm i'm happy to report that um they're all healed up now and Good. we actually performed together at come as you are great um but it was definitely one of those things where it was an educational experience for me. Absolutely. Um, after five plus years of doing this to uh, to actually go through that um, that injury uh, with my partner, like really shook me. Yes. As yeah. a top, um, I had to take a little while and go. Should I still be doing this? Oof, um, yeah. And. I I decided that I should. So, yeah, I'll it was, tell you. It was well, good in the long run. I'll tell you, Kelsey. Since you opened up about that, like I had a consent violation um, a couple years ago, mm. or a few years ago at this point. And uh, I mean, at this point, with me and my consent education, I'm like, it's a red flag to me if somebody's like, nope, I've never made anyone uncomfortable ever. It's like, well, that's just untrue. That's completely untrue. Um, But anyways, so at a particular play party, same thing, I like really went um, back and retraced my steps. And I, I saw where things might have gone wrong. But I also saw where I checked in, you have to try and give yourself grace in these moments, right? I saw where I, I was checking in a lot, because this was a new partner that was the first time I had played with them um and they demonstrated bottoming skills like communication skills okay they gave me uh like their it was a multi-top scenario Mm -hmm. with one bottom they gave a yellow in one respect so that always relaxes me a bit as a top because now I know that you know how to use you know your safe word system and you can advocate for yourself in scene Mm -hmm. um and before every new activity we're checking in and they were all activities that were on the table that day and it still happened Mm. And I felt terrible about it. I still feel terrible, terrible about it. Speaking about it right now. I'm sorry to hear that. It's. I'm sorry to hear about your situation also. But you know what? That's our our play is risky. Yeah. And, um, all you can do, like, you can't have safe sex, right? You can have safer sex. You can have safer kink you can harm reduce as much as you possibly can. And 
part of harm reduction is learning from when there was a mistake that happened, you know? Yeah. Like I, I learned a lot from that too. That was a huge learning, a, a huge education for me. Um, and I, I do things a little differently because of that. There were integral questions that I could have asked that I didn't. And I always ask them now, you know, stuff, mm-hmm. just stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, it also definitely made me uh, more aware of my responsibility to educate um, my other partners about this kind of thing. I was um, very grateful that this particular incident did happen with someone who has, you know, almost a decade of rope bottoming experience. Yeah. So Um, they were experienced too. Yeah. Yeah. So, so between the two of us, it was just, and it still happens. It it does still happen. Exactly. And I mean, I, I feel really lucky that this was the first time in my many years of tying that it had happened um, and that we were able to manage it in the way that we did. Um, Yeah. It was also really great to actually get uh, feedback from medical professionals, Mm. like through, through my bottom because um, they, they were very upfront about what had happened. uh, And it was really interesting to hear the perspective of like what exactly had been damaged and how it was going to heal from both a doctor and a physiotherapist. Wow, that's valuable. So yeah. like, if you could tell me, like, what was the time frame of like healing that? Like, what did that look like, I guess, recovering from that nerve damage? Injury? Well, n- nerves are kind of like plants of the body. They operate okay. on an incredibly slow timeline because it's very difficult to heal them. Okay. Um, and that's that's why nerve damage is... Uh, something we try to prevent and it is it can be very serious yes um it was about i'd say three weeks to a month okay if not slightly longer than that uh from what i understood to heal it up completely but it uh timing just didn't work out for us to tie again until about a week and a half before the come as you are performances well thank you for sharing that i think that's really important um to talk about because I think that's you know it's that thing right of like doms um, are viewed as these like infallible beings and Mm -hmm. it's like no we're just fucking humans we're just people um, that like a power dynamic you know that's certain power dynamic in a scene or we like to do the activity versus receive the activity like that's literally all Mm -hmm. it means (laughs) yeah yeah, it's the uh, the elevation of the persona is yes. uh, a whole thing. <laughs> and I, I find that very interesting, especially coming from like a burlesque background. Yeah. Um, because there, there were uh, a couple even like personal relationships that I'd been in over the years where it was it was slightly bizarre because my partner didn't want to date like me, the, the actual human being that I am. Hmm. Uh, they wanted to date Kilsey Van Helsen, the battle axe of burlesque. <laughs> and be dominated by Kelsey Van Helsen in the Battle Axe of Burlesque. And I was how just like, they, how did they think that would go? <laughs> it was, uh, <laughs> it was, uh, like, I, I they... can't even tell you. <laughs> I can't even tell you how they thought that would go. Like, um, are they expecting, I just want to know that, like, yeah. are they expecting you to look like that all the time? And like, what do strip teases like? Oh no! It was at home. Like what? What does that even mean? <laughs> uh, they they were mostly expecting the like, 
uh, I don't know, the rough and tumble barbarian queen, I guess, that that's my, my stage persona kind of was. Okay. Um, Still. Yeah, it was, it was just a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. And I was kind of like, bro, like, I'm literally a bummy stoner who wants to eat snacks all the time. A bummy uh, stoner. <laughs> I don't, I don't get it. It was like, I, I'm not going to roll in in like a full stage costume and a face full of makeup being like, it's Kelsey Van Helsing. Like, Ugh. I can't. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I can't say I don't get that too with, mm. you, know, you know, people look at you, especially like as a dominant in pictures and stuff yes. or a top in pictures and people make all sorts of assumptions, right? Oh, yeah. Like, like that's what they think they're getting. <laughs> no, I'm baby. Yeah, no, what you have to understand about me is I'm baby. I'm 100% baby. Yep. So, like, potato baby. <laughs> potato babies, That's yes. Me. Oh, yep. me especially. Oh, my God. Yeah, I've, I've put on the weight and I've moved so much less in the last couple of years because um, of an injury. But also, I'm 40 now. So, yeah. that too. But, like... Yeah, baby potato. <laughs> <laughs> like that's it. It was like I don't know why why people think they're they're just gonna roll in and get like the big bad scary. <laughs> like that is not the case. Really, you need to bring me snacks. Um. <laughs> yeah, if you're gonna <laughs> get more than baby potato out of me, like yeah, snacks. You gotta feed me first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You gotta bring potatoes for the potato. You know? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, like if it's a poutine, wonderful. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, oh, I just realized. Okay, we talked a bit about it along, you know, just touching on this topic. But I know for sure we wanted to talk about, like, as you said, the unsung heroes of rope. I really want to dedicate a good part of the pod to this. So let's let's start let's talking do about it. yeah before let's it gets it. too late. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, uh, the the rope bottoms are absolutely the unsung heroes of the rope scene because they're the ones, like I said earlier, that are literally putting their bodies um, at incredible risk in order to do like the fun, cool things that we do. And yeah, they're having a good time, um, but they're also taking on most of that. Uh, so I think it's really important to give them the visibility and platforming that they really deserve. Yeah, like traditionally, you know, all the focus is on the top, you know. Yeah, um, but the, I mean, I, something that I've learned at least as a self-suspender is that like, there, it's one thing to do all the rigging and then be able to like step away, but the real work is in endurance. Yeah, the real work is in the. They're there. They got to do it the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Like my last model um, at Come As You Are over the weekend ended up in a like a single fudo inversion mm-hmm. for a good 15 plus minutes minutes just hanging out chilling spinning upside down on one leg and you're standing right yeah. side up <laughs> i mean really what i was trying to do was look at the audience and be like uh are you not aware of the superhuman feat that's occurring right in front of your eyes? Please clap. Yeah, are you not impressed? Please. Come on, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Please <people>. clap. <laughs> Give the human an applause. Give the clown something. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they feed on your energy. God. We're like, just please. Just a, a little something. Um, but that was the thing. Like, all of the suspensions that I tied, I, I like, yes, I was doing the tying, but 
all of them were over an hour long. Wow. So as a bottom, that's like, that's a long rope scene. Yeah. Yeah, that's like, that's an endurance trial. <laughs> yeah. Not necessarily like, just like a casual rope scene. <laughs> yeah, they're suspended people. Like, if anyone has not been suspended that is listening, like, it's a lot. It's a lot of work. That's a lot um, happening to your body. Yeah. It's your own body weight being hung off your own body weight <sighs> in various permutations. Um, so I was I was actually even more impressed with my second rope bottom of the day, because not only is he one of my uh, my newest rope bottom, but he's also he's also my boyfriend. Oh, uh. you got to give a little shout out to the boyfriend. Yeah, <laughs> a little shout love, out to the a boyfriend. little extra love. He's extra goodest. The extra goodest. <laughs> extra good boy. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, so that was actually very nice. I've never done that before in my rope career. Um, I don't wow. usually mix business with pleasure. Uh -huh. um, but it was really awesome to do. And uh, it was also great to see that he took it very seriously, like for his own education. Awesome. Um, and it, he did a great job. He was he was also up for over 45 minutes. Wow. Yeah. And is he like on the newer end as far as his uh, ex like rope um, uh, experience with rope in general? Is he on the newer end or just new with you? Uh, yeah, he was. He's on the newer end as well. Um, he did actually see me tie in Ottawa many moons ago before the pandemic. Oh, cool! Um, so he's probably one of the fewer bottoms uh, in Toronto who have seen me tie before in that capacity. Um, and yeah, he's he's just killing it. He's doing great. And did a 45 minute like scene no problem or what was the feedback? Was he like that was hard or like uh, just, <laughs> towards the end he was like I can stay up if you want to keep going and I was like wow, okay, that's adrenaline. Fantastic. <laughs> that's the adrenaline talking. <laughs> yeah. That's the pleasure chemicals. It, uh, and I mean like uh, no, I took him seriously. I believed that he could. Um mm -hmm. Uh, subspace grin aside. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, I'm interested uh, to see how that um, that partnership kind of progresses. Um, and yeah, like it was also really neat to see like the camaraderie that was developing between all the rope bottoms as well. That's really uh, nice. Oh, it's so important, I think, for submissives and bottoms like to... Um, to be connected and to share experiences and talk with each other. Cause I feel like, um, I feel like in queer communities, this is much more common, but I feel like if it's like a cis het kind of situation, you know, you have like the femdom or whatever with like lots of male subs. Um, and I don't feel like they would ever really want, they would have never really be interacting with each other. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like I talked yeah. to um, Darren Campbell about this and um, yeah, he mentioned how important he thinks that is and how um, specifically with like AMAB people who are submissives and they're cishet, it's like, um, that's not the instinct to have camaraderie no. amongst submissives. No, it really isn't. Right? Um, and I think it's actually super important, especially um, for rope bottoms, uh, just because there's so much that rope tops just kind of miss out on, and because of the sort of general attitude towards rope bottoms. Um, 
I don't know. I, I feel like it's really important for them to have that kind of those kind of like behind the scenes, like backstage discussions. Yeah. Um, because a lot of rope tops don't have the education to be able to educate their bottoms either. Yeah. Right. And that I think is also very lacking. Mm-hmm. So they can be like sharing information amongst each other. Not only mm-hmm. is it a connective thing, it's like resources it's support all that stuff. Uh, vetting vetting important vetting very is very important, important. and yes. i feel like vetting in a non like in a bottom only space especially for rope is crucial yes so is that does that happen anywhere do you think are there like little munches where uh rope bottoms get together um i don't know if there are any in-person events uh I mean, I, I'm hoping to have some coming down the tubes in a couple months. Oh, nice. Uh, but from what I understand, there uh, there is a Discord server. Perfect. I do not have access to this Discord server because I'm a top. Yeah. And I shouldn't. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay, good. So I'm glad. Because that is very important. Those spaces Again. do exist. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I would hope that they do. And I want to make more spaces like that for bottoms as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like... It's bunches and community events and um, even like kinky performances. It's nice because, you know, you can all be mixing and mingling with each other. But like bottom only spaces or or uh, submissive only spaces, that's that would be that would be necessary. I think so. Yeah. And again, I, really do. I don't I don't know if this is men are going to show up to it. This is how men. Um, I, I think it. It might depend on the framing. Yeah. Um, I think because rope bottoming is such a specific skill, uh, I do think that there are some cishet men who, who are like interested in that aspect skill. of it, yeah. um, in gaining skill from other people who are knowledgeable in that skill. Um, but I, I do, to a certain extent, share your feelings about that. Like I, It might not happen, and that's okay. But I also feel like there's a definite need locally for queer specific rope spaces as well. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. And now you're in Toronto, you can start you can start creating them, which is really exciting. I I have some plans. I I got a couple plans, one or two, yeah. (laughs) Good for you, man. Thank you. I'm so excited to see you planted here and. Um, just so enthusiastically integrating yourself and um, yeah it's so important to have really knowledgeable people in their craft you know spearheading events and performances and education and seeing your products in stores and like all of this stuff thanks pal it's so awesome yeah yeah I'm excited I'm really interested to see what the next uh, few months have in store um I've got a couple plans. There are some some things rolling down the pipes. Um, uh-huh, uh-huh. But I'm also hoping to like make a make some more like educational moves and see if I can find like some physical spaces where that can occur as well. Awesome. So, yeah. what um, is there anything you can speak on at this moment? Do you have anything coming up that you want to talk about? Um, <laughs> I am. Uh, I'm. I'm still booking. I'm still booking for events and workshops and performances um, July through August Mm -hmm. into September even. Um, So if anybody wants some cool rope art installed at their event, I would be happy to do that. Um, You can feel free to email me if you think my art would be a good fit. Yeah. um, Oh, yeah. I do actually have a a publication 
coming out shortly. That's kind of exciting. What is um, it? Yeah, it's a BDSM nonprofit magazine in Australia uh, called Indecent Magazine. Um, they're publishing a couple of my self-suspension photos, and I'll be writing a piece f- on kink and neurodivergence for them. Oh my god, that's amazing. Congrats. Thank you. I'm really excited. That's so exciting. Yeah. Um, are you doing one-on-one sessions? Yes. I, okay, cool. Because yeah. I've had a couple people ask, and you're obviously always one of my main rope people that I recommend, so... To see that you're now doing, maybe doing that in Toronto, I think that's extra exciting for people because I've always been like, oh yeah, but Kelsey's in Ottawa, so maybe virtual stuff, but Not now anymore. that you're in Toronto. Okay, good, yeah. great, great. Yeah, yeah, I'll be opening up uh, one-on-one sessions probably starting mid-July. Um, that's a watch, watch my social media. Um, I'll be doing that and I'll also be doing um, private one-on-one lessons as well. Oh, yeah. So if you want to start the learning process, keep your eyeballs peeled. Great. So I think we're basically at that time. Um, So let's drop, let's drop the links. Let's drop the social skills. All right. All right. Um, So if you want to follow me on Instagram, my handle is battle axe bondage with dots in between every word. Um, If you want to hire me directly or purchase some beautiful rope, my email is battleaxebondage at gmail.com. Um, and if you want to follow me on the I, potentially soon to be defunct Twitter, <laughs> you can find me there at Kelsey H. Yeah, same. At Twitter, uh, people, we don't know how long we'll be there for, but I'm at the Lady Pim one for as long as it's there. And then my, uh, until it just decides to implode completely, it's already halfway there. But um, Instagram at the Bedpost Podcast or at the Lady Pim. I'm on TikTok now at the Lady Pim as well. We've got the Patreon, folks. Uh, last week we had a Patreon preview. If you liked what you heard there, we're patreon.com slash thebedpostshow. And I never like to go an episode without thanking the lovely lady who does all the original music for my podcast. She is Stephanie Copeland. You can find out more about her at stephcopelandmusic.com. Kelsey Van Helsen. This has been, as usual, such a lovely convo. Thank you for your time today. No, thank you for having me. This is always a blast. You know, you're, you're a repeat invitation to come back anytime you want. Thanks, friend. We hope you enjoyed the episode, everyone. We will see you next week with another fun and sexy guest here on the Bedpost Podcast talking about sex and sexuality. Until then, get fucked. Goodbye. <laughs> This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. 